We are a proud member of the 143 Podcast Network. The Cheers to Comics Podcast is proudly affiliated with NSCLiveTV.com. That's No Signal Comics. NSCLiveTV.com. Find the Cheers to Comics Podcast on channel 34 of NSCLiveTV.com. No Signal Comics. The best in auction action. Slurds, welcome back to the Cheers to Comics podcast. I am your host, Brian Wayne, and this is episode number 62. This week, I'll be raising my glass to the books that were released on the 8th of January, 2020. I find it so odd. I'm looking here on my notes, and I wrote the date out. You would, you know, oh, yeah, of course you wrote it out wrong. I wrote the year as 2015 for some reason. It's very strange. It's not 2015. It is, in fact, 2020. So, um, <laughs> real quick before I dive into this, uh, I do like to give a couple of disclaimers. This is not necessarily a safe-for-work podcast on account of my incapability of being able to withhold my foul, foul, uncultured tongue. And beyond all of that, this is also a spoiler-filled podcast, so... Um, by no means do I cover the, the books, you know, front to back, but I do give very key points of what's going on. These are overviews, not reviews. You know, I try to keep most of the opinion out of this. Um, yeah, so that's that's what you're going to expect out of this particular show. So, um, without further ado, let me get into it. You know, lately, uh, normally I talk about news to kick it off, and because I don't talk about comic or TV, or, I mean, not comic, uh, TV or movie news or anything like that, I keep my, my medium right in the, right in the source material itself, lately I haven't had a whole lot of news to talk about, not really making any massive announcements or anything like that, at least that can't be heard on the podcast itself when I'm talking to these creators, <laughs> anyway, um, so, uh, I don't, I don't like just jumping right ahead into it. You know, I like to kind of ease into these overviews. So I had this idea about 16.3 minutes before I was getting ready to record this podcast, and I think I'm gonna add another segment in the beginning here. The name, I don't know, I don't know, but it has to do with speculation or key appearances, things like that. So you know, when you're at the the shop. You know, maybe, you know, sometimes you hit the comic book lottery. That's the thing about comic books. It's known to be somewhat of an investment, and sometimes it's a surprise. So I've got some books here. I just want to shout out some first appearances, so by no means are any of these major keys. Some of these are kind of already rising on eBay a little bit, but I just want to get into it. If you slurds have any ideas for names of this new here segment... I uh I have a, a new easy way to get a hold of me. Um, the Cheers to Comics podcast is on Facebook as a group now. You know we've had a page up there from the beginning, um, but I want a place for the fans to interact. So if you're a listener of this show, you just the, the Cheers to Comics podcast Facebook group. Check it out, and from there, you know I, I got polls that go up. 
Um, it's it's a place for indie creators can come on here, uh, you know, into the group and show off your stuff. And you never know, I may actually feature it on a podcast. You know, any questions that I may have for y'all, I'll post in the group, and you guys get the chance to answer it. I mean, I'm gonna, I, I, I want more interaction with you listeners. And I don't like using the word fans. Listeners. There we go. And, uh, yeah, so I created this group, just kind of on a spur-of-the-moment thing, and, yeah, I invite you all. I invite you all, and I invite you all to invite your friends that could potentially want to listen to this show, or just be a, a you know, a collector of comics itself. It's not just a, uh, a group for listeners of this show, of this podcast, but it's also essentially just another comic book group where you could show off your stuff and yeah keep it civil you know just typical comic book group stuff but at the same time interacting with a real life podcast so um uh that segued nicely so <laughs> um yeah let's uh let's talk some some first appearances here First one is your old Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number 101. We got the first appearance in a comic book of the character Mona Lisa. She, you know, is in the TV show. So who knows what that could amount to, but there you have it. You know, minor key for sure. Batman name number 86. We got a couple of new villains to add to the, uh, the old arsenal, possibly. They didn't die in the first issue, so... Who knows how far they can go, but we got Mr. Teeth and the Gunsmith. Uh, I'll be talking about them for sure later on in the overviews. Uh, Miss Marvel number 12, we got the first Storm Ranger. But Brian, the, the first Storm Ranger was in the last Mr. Marvel book. You're absolutely right, but apparently that's not a thing either. So she is this is Storm Ranger, which is a, a living version of a suit of some sort. Uh, is uh, has had two cameo appearances, and it's not until uh, like for real, for real, for now, now that this Mars Marvel book is the real first appearance. Uh, I personally, I I take the approach of I don't believe in cameos. First time I see your face is the first time you appear. Therefore, their first appearance. Just because we don't give a name doesn't mean it's not the first appearance. But that's just my opinion. What are you gonna say? Um. But uh, there, uh, that's that's a spec book for sure. It seems to be kind of going up on eBay a little bit in the ten to twelve dollar range. Uh, another key book, for whatever reason, um, that this book is really jumping up once again, kind of in the ten to twelve dollar range on eBay. It seems, but it's the uh, the Star Wars Rise of Kylo Ren number two. So this Kylo Ren origin continues on, and apparently. You know, this is, uh, the, the, the fans are liking it enough to where it's probably going to need second printings, because it's sold out everywhere, and yeah, there you go. Um, I happen to be, you know, I, I, I got lucky. I picked issue one and two up on a whim, because I like the character. I haven't got around to reading them yet, but there you go, speculation paying off. Uh, quick honorable mentions on the speculation books. Um, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers TMNT has a first appearance of the Green Shredder, but in these alternate universe type of situations, I'm not sure how much you can count that, because if that's the case, the last Batman TMNT crossover could be just a whole heap of first appearances, so 
I'm not sure where you would manipulate that on the the, the list, but and then you you know the first uh, star book star appeared in Captain Marvel in that run, and she's got her first ongoing series now. Not ongoing, I apologize. Uh, mini series. It's gonna, she's gonna go four issues. So yeah, just uh, once again, no real demand for the book right now, but future minor keys. There you have it. So uh, yeah, I guess that that's not a bad way to fill the gap of the news. You know, eight and a half minutes spent well, I guess. <laughs> um, uh, without further ado, let's let's get into some overviews, huh? And some overviews we shall get into. There were uh, there were some. It was a thick stack this week, it was, but I think when it came down to it, there was 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, I believe 9 books here on the overviews. All, <laughs> all incredible. So, let's, uh, let's get into this. I like to talk about indies first, a lot of times, so I'm going to stick with that for this time. I'm excited to say that for the first time, it's a lot of times, on this uh, on this podcast, I'm going to talk Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles ongoing, and this is probably the first time I've talked Turtles outside of a crossover. I may have talked Shredder in Hell, because I read Shredder in Hell. I don't remember if I made it on the podcast or not. Regardless, an ongoing book. We are at 101 now, and honestly, this isn't a terrible jumping on point. It's not. All you have to know is that... Uh, um, there was a whole huge arc leading up to this, and, you know, some drastic shit happened, and that's, that's where this arc starts off, um, where that drastic shit happened, and that drastic shit starting out to be the death of Splinter, so that's some shit, right? But first, let me give credit where credit's due. On this TMNT number 101, we have Kevin Eastman, Tom Waltz, Sophie Campbell, and Rhonda Pattison, covered by Sophie Campbell. Oh, so awesome, man. So awesome. This team, ugh. Alright, so Splinter's dead, and the Turtles, well, they're not coping well. They're all coping in their own individual ways. Some of them split off. Some of them are, you know, uh, coping like a teenager would. So, we've got Raph. He's he's out just being a loner. He, he's wearing a black mask now. So, like I said, I haven't read any Turtles up until now. Just kind of reading the cliff notes, so I don't, I, I haven't seen any of the visuals. I know that Jenica has a yellow bandana. Raph has always had red. He's rocking black in this one. Almost got the Daredevil look because it's like the full do-rag type of situation. But, uh, yeah, so he's out being a loner. Mikey, he's sulking in his room. Apparently he's got a little new kitty cat, but he's up in his room just kind of giving it the teenage treatment, not know, knowing how to cope. Uh, whoops. Donnie, he's, he's, he's done built himself a greenhouse, kind of like a little zen garden, I guess. And, uh... That's that's how he's managing to get by. Uh, Jenica, well, she's she's out just trying to find her way. She's kind of the new person in the group, you know. She's uh, she. This is all uh, the the events of everything is kind of taken and different from her because she's not as much a part of this is how I take it. So she's trying to find her way, and all of this is being narrated by uh, Leo. I, I I'm sorry, it's being narrated by Donnie. Leo was the one with the Zen Garden. I. I I got those two mixed up, sorry. Um, <laughs> but yes, that's that's what's going on. So, so Donnie, he's uh, he's narrating all of this. So apparently he's the one that's kind of the most together, I guess. Um, but from here, it's, uh, our, our story kind of diverts over to Jenica. That's, that's who the bulk of this is. 
and she's out at this, you know, kind of pub, and uh, she actually runs into Raph, you know, and they're kind of, hey, how you doing, you know, mm, you know, life sucks, blah, blah, blah. Well, uh, she's out walking down a long and lonesome dark alley, and uh, she sees this, this lady getting mugged for some food. And here's the, the the kicker with all of this. The big event that's going on here is there's apparently this thing that turned a lot of the population into mutants. And by mutants, we mean kind of like animals, I guess. You know, just like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And we got uh, Old Person Mutant Ninja Squirrel. You get the idea. Um, I don't need to give any more examples. I'm going to give one more example. Um middle-aged mutant uh, accountant porcupine. Bam. See? See? This is a fun, fun game. <laughs> Jesus, Brian. Uh, so you, you get the idea. And because of that, you know, the humans, they have their own initiative against these mutants. <clears throat> um, <laughs> and it's created this, this uh, uh, I guess, boundary, if you will. And it's, it's harsh times. Harsh times for the old mutants. Well, one of these mutants seems to be a little triceratops, and we got a little first appearance, kind of like I mentioned in the beginning of this podcast here, Mona Lisa. Uh, she's only been seen in the, 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 animated, the animated series, from my understanding. That's how I remember it. She's now in a comic, and she's getting mugged for some food. Well, Jenica comes in, whoops some motherfucking ass, and makes a friend... And, uh, yeah, there we go. But, as, just as they're bonding, I can't really say bonding, just as Jenna gets done kicking ass, introductions, how you do, big giant mutant porcupine. Don't know if it's an accountant, though. Looks way more vicious, and it's giant and big, um, as I stated seconds ago. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, that's the, uh, bum bum bum, to be continued. I dig it. At this point, you can count on me talking about turtles. I am a turtles reader for sure. I love this so much. I have been collecting turtles since issue number 96. And, uh, yeah, I was waiting for this next dark. And like I said, just kind of reading very, very vague cliff notes as to what's going on. I don't know details. I don't really know why Splinter's dead. I just know that he's dead. And, uh, yeah, there you have it. Let's keep this indie train going. Oh boy, White Ash number one. This is one that I'm so excited to talk about proper. Charlie Stickney, Connor Hughes, Finn Cram, covered by Connor Hughes. Uh, if you're new to the podcast or relatively new, at some point back a few weeks ago on another edition of Creator Corner, I had the honor and pleasure of getting to pick the brains of Charlie Stickney. There wasn't enough time to pick that big old brain of his because this, this dude's brilliant. And this is his breakout comic from Scout. And, you know, I went through the whole podcast not trying not to give anything away. But now this is the point. Ugh. I've, I can say that I, I, I have the opportunity to read beyond issue one because of what was sent to me. But the thing is, is I don't like reading digital. And I have been waiting and waiting to, to, to get the physical copy of this and to, uh, to have it. I read it twice now in physical, so a total of three times on this first issue. I'm hooked. I really cannot recommend this book enough. Um, it's it, it's going to fly under the radar because, you know, I no offense to Scout by any means. I think they put out uh, hardcore quality, 
hardcore quality. Some of my favorite books, my most anticipated, anticipated book of 2020 is a scout book, Metal Shark Bro, yo, volume two. Um, so yeah, uh, Charlie Stickney, <laughs> he's a, it was a hell of a guy, and he got me even more excited. And let's let's talk about this book. This this book takes place in the town of White Ash. And it is a mining town. Seems to be kind of dull and quiet. Uh, not very friendly, to be honest. That's the vibe I get out of it. Some mischievous, mischievous shits going down. And our main character seems to be Alec. And uh, before we're introduced to Alec, we're inter- um, we, we get a real... Um, uh, not necess- a, a good taste of uh, the, the, the genre very subtly. Um, and it involves, you know, hacking somebody up to protect a girl. And that, that character that hacks somebody up in those first pages turns up later on in the book. So, like I said, it's just kind of a, what do you call that, an epilogue of what's to come? I don't know those words. Damn it. <laughs> um, yeah, so, then we get to Alec. Alec, he's a guy that just wants to get white, uh, get right out of white ash, and for whatever reason, he's just kind of stuck. I don't know if this town's cursed, or he just doesn't have the means to. It's one of those towns where, you know, you only make enough to get by, you don't make enough to be able to save, if that makes sense, and yeah, it's kind of a monopolized town, and there seems to be one big giant dickhead, Mr. Alden, uh, running most of this, or at least in charge of the mines. And, uh, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to him in a second, but we're introduced to another character, character by the name of Gunther, and he seems to be the father of Alec. Gunther works down in the mines as well. Um, and, uh, yeah, well, Gunther, he's down working in the mines, and hey, remember that guy what hacked some motherfuckers up, or at least one motherfucker up, uh, in the beginning of the book that I talked about? Well, he's down in the mines working, and he decides that he's gonna just kind of use a vulnerable moment that Gunther has. He's he's taking his lunch break or something like that, and this this devious character, I keep using the term devious characters because he's yet to be named, at least that I caught, comes up and wrenches fucking uh, old Gunther, and it turns into a little fisticuffs. Gunther doesn't, I mean, he's a fucking goddamn old man miner, you know, even at... 65, 75 years old, he's gonna fucking whoop that ass, he looks like, you know, one of those old golden glove boxers, in shape, got a gut, but at the same time knows how to use the momentum to fucking throw a punch, well, unfortunately, he doesn't get the chance to really take out the scrawny little devious character, because the scrawny little devious character sets off a bomb, and, well, that turns into quite the tragic situation, um... As Alec is speaking with Mr. Alden about uh, getting paid, he's got shorted on his paycheck. I guess uh, his paycheck. I don't know why I added the. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, hold on. Let me uh, let me wet my whistle here. All right. So he got shorted on his paycheck. Apparently, he was trimming his mansion hedges, mine. I don't know, or uh, maze. I don't know. Uh, mine. Uh, his his maze, his hedges, and well, Alden wasn't pleased with his work, so he only paid him half, from my understanding. Well, this turns into a whole ordeal. Alden says, "Trim the hedges again, and you get paid, motherfucker." Well, uh, Alex says, "Well, I don't want to do that," but he ends up doing it anyways. 
when he comes back to get paid, he's met by Alden's daughter, Lillian. And she says, oh, shit, my dad's a cock. I'm going to go write you a check when she comes back. The, the check isn't for enough. <laughs> and as she's going to, whoopsie doodle, let me go write you another one. Apparently that wasn't on purpose or her being a, a cunt or anything. She was just, she doesn't know any better, I guess. I don't know. Well, that's when it flashes on the news that there's been an explosion. Alec immediately recognizes that his father, Gunther, is probably down in that mine. He gets to the scene. A helicopter arrives, um, and, uh, well, medicaling him out via helicopter out of White Ash. And the, the actual emotion that Alec seems to be expressing is more jealousy than anything, <laughs> sadly enough. But, oh. Yeah, man, there's something, there's some fuckery afoot in old White Ash for sure, and I'm so glad I get to finally talk about this, guys. Don't sleep on this book. Seriously. Go get it. Uh, it's, uh, Charlie, Mr. Stickney, uh, expressed that he has a plan for 60 issues on this, and I will say that the first, um, I don't know, three quarters of the book is a bit of a slow burn, but once you get to the, that, that last, you know, 25%, it's, <laughs> it all comes together nicely, and you realize what, what pace is fixing to, to come about, oh man, good stuff, good, good stuff, I want to keep this going though, once again, that was white ash, let's, let's talk turtles, huh, once again, Power Rangers and Turtles, number two, this crossover is absolutely fantastic, Ryan Parrott, Simone DeMeo, um, it might be Simon, Simona, I, I don't, it's, it's Italian, and I don't know how to say, say it, <laughs> Simone DeMeo, uh, Walter Biamonte on colors, Dan Mora did cover A, and I'll get to cover B in another segment, hint, hint, so, what's going on here is Tommy, he's up at the Technodrome, and he's trying to get, a uh, get, well, affiliated with the foot, if you will, and he gets adopted as one of the foot elite by Shredder, uh, he has some sort of offering to give. I forget what that offering is, but Shredder says, cool, yeah, that's good. Well, it turns out Tommy's in there as a mole because he's trying to rescue his buddy Tyler. And, you know, he's trying to say, look, these guys aren't, you know, fucking your, your street-level gang. These guys are big-time terrorists and shit. Shredder's a, or this, you know, these guys are shitheads. He doesn't really know exactly what Shredder's about, because believe me, if he knew exactly what Shredder is about, he probably wouldn't do what he did here. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, well, it turns out Tyler, he seems to be more loyal to the foot and Shredder, and he turns his back on, on Tommy, and, well, <laughs> Shredder appears out of the, uh, the shadows and tells Tyler, I accept your offering, and Tommy is now captive, and I'll get to <laughs> where that goes in just a moment. But in the meantime, the the Turtles and the Power Rangers, they end up kind of introducing themselves and realize, okay, maybe a common enemy here. Let's work together for the sake of Tommy. And uh, yeah, that's really the only uh, couple of pages of interaction you get because the most of this is following, you know, this the actual timeline of or the the scenario that Tommy's going through. Well, uh, then we flash over to Rita, and Rita, at this point, she sees that Shredder has the dragon coin, and she says, mm-mm, nope, that can't be good, and she flashes down there, and she's met by Bebop and Rocksteady, but she's also got Goldar and Finster and what have you, 
And, uh, well, Shredder, uh, then we kind of, <laughs> we realize, um, well, I guess before all that, I do got to back up just a moment. We, we see more of the, the, what, the happenings between the captive Tommy and Shredder. And Tommy, he goes to morph while he's in the cage. And when he does, Shredder says, oh, thanks. And he's able to subdue Tommy very, very easily via, you know, his, his ways. And at this point, he retrieves the dragon coin. Says, it's cool to know what that can do. And then once you get the, the meeting between Shredder and Shredder, <laughs> ship them, Shredder and Rita, Shredder. Uh, just kidding. Don't, mm, maybe. Ship them. Ship it. <laughs> uh, the Shredder and Rita meeting, Shredder morphs into the Green Ranger. And bam. That's, that's the fucking cliffhanger there. <gasps> God damn. God damn. I love it. I love it so much. This is such a good fucking crossover. Dare I say better than the Batman TMNT? I dare. I dare. Let's move on to DC. DC is going to be a quick and short segment. Uh, due to uh, DC's new kind of way of going about things in 2020 as far as uh, ongoing titles, they're only doing monthly. No more bi-weekly titles. So with that being said... The DC talks on this podcast are probably going to be a lot smaller because Batman's not going to be weekly. I really, I'm only subscribed to about 25 to 30 percent of DC's ongoings, um, compared to uh, 75 to 80 percent of Marvel's. <laughs> so yeah, the, the ratio may seem biased, but that's that's not on purpose. These are just the characters that I feel more comfortable talking about without coming off like a dickhead. And I know a little bit about Batman. I've been reading it for 85 issues now. And, uh, yeah, let's talk about James Tinian and his Batman run. Batman number 86. It has cometh. Tom King's run is over. And we have a, a new a new, uh, a new Batman writer. And <laughs> I gotta say, I'm impressed. I went in skeptical I wasn't sure what to get. I wasn't sure how wordy this this Batman book was going to be. I wasn't sure how much James Tinney was going to lay on us because he has a reputation in my eyes. It's not a bad reputation. It's just I have a hard time because of the abundance of books I have to read. It's hard for me to absorb. This is going to sound really simple of me, but it's hard for me to absorb really dense books considering there are times I sit down and read eight, to 12 to 15 books all at once um so sometimes tinian he can uh he can really lay down the words and i have yet i i gotta say admittedly i, I didn't read his detective run everybody that i know has had nothing but amazingly great things to say about his detective run and before i get into the overview i'm gonna come out and say it the this uh this was a strong first issue and i will not be dropping batman so, uh, yeah, uh, as far as the rest of the team goes, this artistic team is absolutely incredible. Tony S. Daniel, Danny Mickey, and Tom Almeray? Are you kidding me? The Tony Daniel cover? Ugh, guys, we are in good hands. We are in very good hands, in my opinion, just based off the first issue. So what happens in the first issue? What does Tinny and the fourth lay down? Well, let me tell ya. Batman, he's got plans for a new Gotham. 
Uh, he's he's sent off Selena on a mission. On a she's there to really be the pretty face and uh, the, the the one to kind of coax these billionaires at this fundraiser to just donate and be a part and the be a part of the new the new Gotham that Bruce Wayne has planned and it's going to take a lot of money to do so. Yes, Bruce Wayne is a quadrillionaire, I believe, but <laughs> that's not true. <coughs> but um yeah, well, we needs more help. You know, his money's really set aside for some other shit, mainly going to this little project that he's working on the side here, uh, th and that's going to be this this night climber. He's got Lucius creating a night climber, and apparently this is the Batmobile meets the, 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 the Bat-Jet. Oh, fuck, I forgot what it's called. The flyy batty thingy that he has. And, uh, yeah, well, all in one. It's supposed to climb up walls and everything. It's called the Night Climber. And Lucius is currently working on that. And, uh, well, while all that's going on, some new villains roll into town. And like I said earlier in the kind of speculative part of the beginning of the podcast, these new villains are Gunsmith and Mr. Teeth. They're at a pub and Cheshire and Merlin are there, and they're just kind of going, uh, kind of a meet and greet. And, you know, oh, you're here too, who sent you, and blah de blah de blah And you realize the person that sent him is Deathstroke. And, well, the, the, by the end of the book, we have a fight against Batman and Deathstroke, and it's a fucking kick-ass fight, and Batman comes out ahead. Uh, this is a, a, a strong start to what I believe is going to be one hell of a Batman run. Just like that, that does it for DC. So let's uh, let's move on to Marvel. Got a few Marvel books to talk about this week, all of which I am excited to talk about. Deadpool number two, Legacy three seventeen, Kelly Thompson, Chris Bichalo, Wayne Fetcher. Yep, sorry. Messed that up. And David Carriel, covered by Bachalo and Tim Townsend. Alright. Deadpool, he's the king of the monsters. And there's some fuckery afoot and old... What is... Oh, ah, shit. What's the goddamn place in New Jersey? Um, I don't know. Uh, Long Island? Uh, is it Long Island? I forget whatever part... Staten Island, that's what I'm trying to say. Staten Island. That's where the, I guess, the Monster Kingdom is now located. Well, there's some shit going down, and, you know, Deadpool, he's being the king in the most Deadpool of manners, and uh, by that I mean he's, essentially, he's like, shooting commercials and shit to kind of bring in tourism back to Staten Island, making it seem like, oh, the monsters are cool, check it out, the, the Kraken, and he takes you on a ride. But as he's flailing these civilians around this Kraken, I mean, he eats a ship, and, yeah, well, yeah, there's, it's obviously not going all that well. Meanwhile, Blaylock, the guy that uh, accidentally helped make Deadpool King of the Monsters by sending Deadpool on this mission to kill the King of the Monsters, and when you kill the King of the Monsters, you become the King of the Monsters. Blaylock didn't know that. He's pissed that he put Deadpool in the situation, so he now sends old Veronica Bloodstone after Deadpool. Well... Uh, <laughs> so, meanwhile, Captain America, he shows up in Staten Island, and he's trying to get Deadpool out of Staten Island. He says, look, take the king of the, or, you know, take your monster kingdom up out of here, please. 
Deadpool says, no, I'm offended by that. What's wrong with monsters, bro? Get the fuck out of here, Captain America. And he has this gelatinous monster envelop Captain America and blob him on out of there in the hilarious way. Meanwhile, Craven's there. Craven is what all the fuckery is behind. And the monster killings and the disappearances and whatnot. Craven's just killing monsters. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, Bloodstone shoots Deadpool. <laughs> And disappears before Craven can get to him. But meanwhile, meanwhile, what Bloodstone doesn't do... Here's the thing. I know that was kind of confusing. Bloodstone is supposed to be after Deadpool. Um, a, you know, he's contracted by Blaylock. Craven is there to also kill the King of the Monsters so that he could become the King of the Monsters, I believe. And really just hunt them all. Uh, and, yeah, well... You kind of get a... I don't know what the deal is, but Deadpool does get shot in the head before Craven attacks. Not that Craven's going to be able to kill Deadpool. We all know Craven can't kill Deadpool. It's not going to be a thing. But Deadpool just fucking disappears. And Craven doesn't know what's going on because what he sees in the place of Deadpool is old Jeff the Landshark. Because <laughs> as you know, Jeff the Landshark has been now put in the custody of old DP by Gwenpool because she doesn't have a book now and Jeff the Landshark needs a place to be <laughs> I fucking love this run so much it seems very Deadpool I'm happy with it I'm super happy with it I uh I I can't wait to see what Kelly Thompson does let's keep this going X-Force number five Min Percy Joshua Kassara and Dean White covered by Dustin Weaver and Edgar Delgado. Ah, in the last issue, we were left off with Domino being stranded on the other end of a portal, hoping that Wolverine and Kid Omega would be behind her on the retreat. Turns out, nope, they were blown the fuck up. We know that Wolverine's going to regenerate, but Kid Omega, they just keep... <laughs> they're, they're, they're really dramatizing. And I wouldn't say over-dramatizing, but really bringing it to... A <laughs> to light how dead Kid Omega is because they just keep focusing on his severed head. And, yeah, really, <laughs> we all know he's going to come back. But he's, he's dead in the meantime. Tall Cerebro and the Five can can do their, their mutant magic. Meanwhile, yeah, so uh, Domino, she, she needs the help of Gateway. Gateway is a mutant that is able to create gateways without, you know, the the traditional Krakoan portal manner of doing which. Uh, he's kind of the, the loophole, if you will. Well, he's out busy meditating, and it's up to old Black Tom Cassidy and his uh, vegetative, communicative ways <laughs> to get a hold of um, Gateway. And, yeah, at first, Gateway refuses, but, you know, he does what you gotta do. You're a mutant. You're, you're in it for the long run. But while uh, Domino's waiting for all that to happen, Forge and all of his badass mutant weaponry arrives, and he's got this goddamn giant fucking super bio-mutative mech suit kind of... Uh, I don't know how to describe it because I'm not smart, but it's awesome. It's really, really awesome. And... Ugh, fuck. All of the visuals in this are so badass. And while Domino is forming her help team back 
on the other end of all of this, hmm. uh, well, uh, Logan's regenerating. And as he's regenerating, the, the team that's sent in to, to kind of fuck everything up and make sure that everything's dead, as they're walking around, Wolverine, as a half-self, the, the, the upper half of him just kind of torso leaps at these guys and starts fucking taking them out. Meanwhile, the other SWAT guys just gah, 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 fucking unloading on Wolverine's face. And he's screaming like, he's, he's got to be dead. He's got to be dead. And then he just, he just, there's a shot of Wolverine and he's got holes and he, oh my God, this is so fucking amazing. Ugh. Fuck, it's so good. It's so good. I haven't looked at my notes once. It's so ingrained in my head and I only read it once. <laughs> Um, but, well, once, once Domino assembles her strike team, Forge is there, uh, at this point, you know, Gateway and Black Tom arrive, and, you know, they're able to get back there, boom, and as they do, Beast is kind of incommunicado, or not, well, not incommunicado, in communications with Domino, you know, screaming at everybody, we gotta keep one of them alive, we gotta keep one of these fucking soldiers alive, because we need to interrogate them. Domino, it's, she's really, really, really reluctant, but she does end up, uh, you know, keeping one alive, as you see. But in the interrogation scene, it doesn't seem, it doesn't really seem like Gene and Beast are really too keen on keeping this guy alive. <laughs> it's they say good cop, bad cop, but it looks like bad cop, angrier cop. And, uh, yeah, well, what they get out of this guy is, you know, they kind of get the... The information, a little bit of information, some uh, cryptic information about the buyer of the uh, stolen Krakoan pedals and organic batteries. They were heisted from this whole thing. The whole reason why, you know, Xavier got shot in the head and whatnot. Um, and the only clue they really give is he has a peacock tattoo. Mm hmm So, yeah, speculate on that, slurds. <sighs> X-Force 5 was absolutely incredible. Like I've said, um, really since the dawn of X, this is the book that I kind of had the least um, confidence going into. And it's been the strongest run. This is the book that actually gets better each issue. It's never been a roller coaster. It's been consistently up. The other five books have been kind of up and down. Um, always never bad. I will say that. None of them have ever been bad. Um, I, admittedly, I only read issue one of New Mutants because that's just... I feel like I've, I just read that team in Rosenberg's Uncanny. And even Ed Brisson had a part in writing the first ten issues of all of that. In the first, you know, yeah. So, you know, I... I, I, I granted, it's in a whole different universe in Sandbox now, and Hickman's universe, but still, I'm just... I was confused. The new mutants in space, I think, is what's going on, according to what I hear. Hearsay. So, yeah, but... I'm not talking down on it. The point is, is that X Force is solider and solider and solider <laughs> every single week. I, this is most recommended X book right now. Hey, how you doing? My name is Joey Galvez, and I'm here to invite you to head on over to the One Four Three Podcast Network to check out all our shows that range from collecting music, all things geek. All under one roof, right here on the 143 Podcast Network, partnering with Age of Radio. Check us out. Uh, another X book to talk about is Fallen Angels. Fallen Angels number 
five. Uh, this is Brian Edward Hill, Simon Kredansky, and Frank Dormada, covered by Ashley Whitley. I'm going to start out by saying, just kind of on a, well, I don't want to say a critic point of view, but uh, talking about the art and Simon Kodansky and Frank Damata, compared to what I'm used to with Simon Kodansky and how Antonio Fabella was his colorist, um, and uh, yeah, you know, it's uh, I was used to so much more of a gritty style. When you put a colorist like Frank D'Armada, who's so much for, uh, so not gritty, almost realistic in a way in some panels when doing shading on faces and stuff, it's oh, it's mesmerizing. And it took me a little bit to get used to it, um, and it has taken me a little bit to get used to it. But through this issue, I think I finally, I, I've accepted it. And by no means have I said. Or am I saying it's bad? It's just, uh, it's not used to the, it's not the, it's just got a different tone to what I'm used to Simon Kodansky bringing to the table visually, and I respect that. Um, so yeah, I just, before I jumped in, I, I had to, I had to mention that, so, um, all the more reason to go out and pick up this book from a comic book store and see for yourself. So, the premise of Fallen Angels, essentially, is... Psylocke is having these these flashbacks about her childhood, and she's trying to uh, well, and, and her and a team consisting of Cable and Laura X twenty three. They're 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 trying to track down Apoth. Apoth is this almost godlike figure, if you will, and this this drug lord. But it's not a typical drug it's called overclock and it's really a tech drug it's a chip that you plant in your brain and you you know it sends the the the, the neuro signals to create the you know drugs work obviously so <laughs> but yeah um well what we've come to find out throughout this this arc is that Psylocke or Quanon is actually the mother of Apoth and that is very very uh much the 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 situation here in this issue but before we really dive into this we get another uh, meeting between Quanon and Sinister and Quanon is asking Sinister hey can you help me out can you help me unlock my potential you know that's that's what you do and Sinister he he's he's not so much about it he says you know that's that's not what I'm gonna do for you but what I am gonna do for you is give you the uh, this, this device that I have created or found, whatever, I am in the possession of and now giving you, that uh, gives you the possibility to actually track Apoth. And that's exactly, you know, now we, we're moving forward in this. We're wah, towards Apoth. Uh, Cable, at this point, if you've been following along, he has been released by this creature, the, this wraith creature that is the, the seems to be the right hand of Apoth. I almost look at it as the 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 maw to Thanos, if you will. I don't know. It's just I don't know. But um yeah. Uh we also get a little bit of a interaction between Magneto Magneto. Magneto and Psylocke again and at this point Magneto says, Look, I trust you now. You have my blessing and you know at this point I I uh uh, I'm backing your plan of attack on, on Apoth, so let's do this shit. And that's what we're getting out of Fallen Angels. 
this has been more of a roller coastery book. I'm always on board with a uh, Simon Kurdansky artistically driven book for sure. Brian Edward Hill, you know, it's you know what you're getting into if you're familiar with his work as far as the way he writes stories, and I, I accept that very much. I'm 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 digging these books, man. Uh, it's still on my pull, and I'm gonna continue to talk about it. I, I'm, God, so good. Rambling, rambling. Let's talk Avengers, but not your Mighty Avengers. We're talking your Savage Avengers. Can you say that? Are you allowed to say that anymore? I don't know. Savage Avengers number nine, Jerry Duggan, Patch Zercher, and Jabba Tartaglia, covered by Valerio Gian Giandano. Yeah, fuck that up. Sorry. Romulo Fajardo Jr., also in on that cover. All right. Um, I know I didn't get the opportunity to talk about issue eight on the podcast, but I, I'm I'm really happy with how this book. You, you you get the point. Yes, you probably miss some stuff that's very very enjoyable, but for the most part, you understand what's going on. So let's jump into it. Doctor Doom. Uh, Doctor Strange and Conan the Barbarian walk into a bar. I mean, uh, go to face Kulan Goth. Uh, in the last issue, it was implied at the very beginning that Doctor Doom was beheaded by Kulan Goth. That's not the case. It was a Doombot. Mm-hmm. Of course it was. Um, so, yes, Doctor Doom is there with his head intact. And at this point, it's uh, uh, the, the team kind of has... Strange is main goal is to bring back Brother Voodoo, and you know, he's uh, trapped in another dimension that Kulan Goth has imprisoned him in, and Strange is trying to uh, magic his way into all of that while Doom and Conan face off against Kulan Goth and yeah (laughs) crazy shit, crazy shit Uh, Doom comes back and immediately gets poisoned unfortunately by this crazy Kulan Goth serpent type of thing but in the meantime, Doom, he sends down uh, this crazy motherfucking last resort missile from the satellite hovering above space. And when that satellite crashes, it's just kind of, you know, he knew that everybody involved was going to get fucked up. But as long as Kulan Goth is definitely fucked up the most, if there's a chance of that happening, then it's worth the cause. Because at this point, he kind of realizes that Kulan Goth is way too much to handle. He's just... He's a fucking badass. He, uh, this, I think Kulan Goth is a super underrated villain at this point compared to what he's, he's easily overcome. The, I mean, th- these guys are no fucking jokes. That you know, he's taken out Doctor Doom, Doctor Strange, Conan the fucking Barbarian, uh, Brother Voodoo, Electra, Punisher. Come on, man! And he's done it without breaking a sweat. Uh, every time it does look like he's been bested, it's, uh, mm, no, this is all part of my plan, motherfuckers. Uh, it's, it's crazy shit. It's crazy shit. But out of all of that, um, uh, the, the whole point of the, the, the satellite launch coming, missile coming down from space wasn't necessarily so much as an explosion, um, as it was to, uh, release this automaton. And it wasn't there to rescue and save Doom like one would expect, He's actually there to say, uh, it is there to, 
um, save Doctor Strange. And Doom seems to kind of know that Doctor Strange is the answer here. Kind of like the whole Doctor Strange was knew that Iron Man was the answer. If you've seen Endgame, that whole that's that's kind of the idea I got from all this. So as this thing, this automaton envelops Doctor Strange, we get the first appearance of the Iron Mage. And as you know, uh, Doctor Doom has been in the possession of Stark Tech for about a year and a half now, in real people time. So that's uh, I mean, this is this is fucking huge. I, th this is all canon, too, guys. This is not a, a what-if story. Savage Avengers is a real thing. Conan is in the Marvel Universe. Doctor Strange acknowledges the fact that he's stepping away from brain surgery, I believe. Uh, th uh, you know, this is... This is gnarly. This is super fucking gnarly. I, I, I'm so excited that Jerry Duggan is doing this book. God. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's obscure. And it's always a beautiful thing to look at, per Pat Zercher taking over after Mike Diodoto Jr. Heavy shoes to fill, but goddamn, fills them well. Fills them well. Last book of the overviews this week, we have Immortal Hulk number 29, Legacy 746, Al Ewing, Joe Bennett, Roy Jose, and Paul Mounts, covered by Alex Ross. As per the huge... Uh, Minotaur, he is, he, he's releases these four rock, or not, not four, I get, you see four, but it, uh, kind of, as the story goes on, you realize that they're all over the motherfucking place. Um, but, yeah, uh, Minotaur releases these rocks on bio assets, aka giant motherfucking monsters, terrorizing all about shit, and the point of all of this is, he's, he's realized that, Banner has been spotted during the daytime, and he wants to test this, and maybe, um, you know, take the chance of him being more vulnerable in the daytime, if he is Hulk indeed, like he suspects. So yes, uh, it's, it's up to Banner and Betty to teleport, you know, save the day, fuck up these monsters, but for whatever reason, according to comic books, Banner and Betty must teleport separately. Well, Banner goes first, and when he does, he seems to drop right into the motherfucking mouth of this giant beast. Well, Minotaur looks on from a distance, and it seems that his plan this whole time is to actually eat Hulk himself. And that's, uh... <laughs> that, that's, that's number 29 in the nutshell. This is fucking gnarly. Uh, I, I'm, I, I really think that this is the best that this, this run's been. These last two arcs have been absolutely incredible. I say from, tw well, no, from twenty, twenty-six on, yeah. I would imagine there's probably one more issue in this arc, maybe two, a five or six issue arc. That wouldn't surprise me, but damn, man, damn, I'm Mortal Hulk. This is what the hype is all about, show. This is what the hype is all about. So that does it for overviews. Um, I'm gonna leave you with just another podcast shout out here right now before I come back with the other end of this show starting with honorable mentions enjoy this hey this is Ken M Padawan J Coach Duffy from the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour podcast every week the ODPH is talking sports movies TV comics and more it's always a parlay of topics on each episode you can find the ODPH on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, and wherever you find great podcasts, such as the one you're listening to right now. Don't forget to check out OchoDuroParleyHour.com, where you can find the links to all of the ODPH social media accounts, 
links to the bands whose music you hear each week on the show, hashtag 607 podcast info, and parlay points are our companion block section of the show. Thanks for listening to the ODPH. Now get back to your regularly scheduled podcast. All right, and we're back with part two. And as promised, we're going to talk honorable mentions. As one may suspect, these are the books that didn't quite make the um, the, the, the overview section, but that has nothing to do with quality by any means. These are just, you know, not all books that I found uh, talking points on or could fill, you know, a good three to five, six minute um, kind of whatever. A lot of these I'll just give a quick rundown, or maybe they're just a book that I'm collecting for collecting's sake, you know, I don't, you know, I'm, 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 I, I enjoy all, all levels of the comic book world, so, with all that being said, I'm sure by the end of this segment, you'll, you'll get the idea. First honorable mention of the week, uh, I, I never thought that this would be an honorable mention, if anything, I kind of thought that it would make the, uh, <laughs> make the book of the week, but we've got Venom, number 22, Legacy 187. This is part two of Venom Island, and this is more of Donnie Cates in Rambo mode fucking up some some crazy symbio-enveloped bonded animals and whatnot, and we get a, a another psych- or brain fight, if you will, between he and Carnage, which is he's kind of still a part of, and um, yeah, really the big thing to take out of all of this is we see we almost see Dylan in a dream sequence, along with Noel at his side. Oddly enough, um, kind of almost go symbiotic, if you will, but that gets cut short. I don't know. I don't know. See, like I said, that's that's all there is to really talk about on this book it was great for sure it's mark bagley art you know it's going to be good i can't wait to read the third and final part of this this arc this venom island story for sure though amazing spider-man number 37 (sighs) um sadly enough i i don't think i've read a spider-man uh there were an amazing spider-man book since the absolute carnage tie-in and it's just kind of i've been turned off unfortunately it's just uh, it's not my spider-man book i've got other Plenty of other Spider-Man stuff to read, you know, between uh, Friendly Neighborhood, Miles Morales, and uh, Ghost Spider. Yeah, so, um, but I still collect it because that's what you do. When you collect comics, there's really two staple titles in most people's collection. You have a Spider-Man book and you have a Batman book, or at least the main title. Whether you read it or not, it's just, I don't know. To me, that's just kind of the, that's what you have in your collection, <laughs> Uh, carrying on a black label book, Dollhouse, The Dollhouse Family, number three. I thought I was caught up, but apparently, for, I guess number two made an honorable mention. So I'm going to have to go back and do some back reading, but I know that f- from what I read after just issue one, that I was super, super on board with all of this. Uh, Ghost Spider, number six. Uh, I haven't really been reading Ghost Spider for the last couple of issues, but from what I have read, I have enjoyed Strike Force number five. Uh, this is a team that is, is, is intriguing, that's for sure. And it, it's been a great team, but I don't think I read number four again. This is the scenario, so I'm not caught up. Eventually I'll get caught up, but for what I, this book's just not a priority to me, especially now that the fact that the main reason I jumped on is I want to see somebody write Spider Woman again. I miss Jessica Drew. 
But now I know that she's getting an ongoing here within the next couple of weeks, so maybe that gap and void in me is going to be filled. We'll see. Nevertheless, I still think this is a great book. You know, it's a blade. Blade's awesome. Fucking enough said. Uh, Monaco Rambo. You know, Spectrum. Amazing. Star Wars. The Rise of Kylo Ren number two. This is a hot book because it is a uh, real-life canon storytelling of Ben Solo. People want this book quite a bit. I have to go through and read... This is a four-part series, by the way. I have to go through and read number one. Uh, and the reason I haven't done so is because I have it in uh, my light hanging up because I got the figure variant. So I might have to go through and uh, very, very carefully finger through it and get caught up on this. But it is only a four-parter, so I'm not too worried about falling too far behind. Because I want to know. I want to know myself. Ben Solo's a super interesting character, so... Boom. Star, number one, Kelly Thompson. This is, you know, comes from Kelly Thompson's uh, Captain Marvel, which I don't really read. But, you know, I, I don't know if this character's a hero, a villain, an anti-hero, what, to be honest. But super OP, it seems. Uh, this is a four-parter. I really just picked it, picked it up for speculative reasons, to be honest. I want to say that I own the first... Or not because I'm going to flip it by any means, but I just want to say that I own the first solo series of Star, even though it's not an ongoing. But it's something, right? It's a start. Magnificent Miss Marvel number 11, Saladino Ahmed, has uh, restored my faith in this character. I never liked this character until Saladin Ahmed's voice came along. But with that being said, I haven't really read the, the, the last arc, or maybe... I think I stopped at issue 6 or 7 as far as reading it goes. Not because it wasn't enjoyable, it's just because sometimes it falls on thick weeks. And I just want to put it on, I, you know, it doesn't always get picked, or read. It always gets picked up, as you could see. But this is also the first supposedly real appearance of Storm Ranger, the new suit, I guess. But the suit's a thing, or a person at the same time. Uh, but, yeah, it was said that, you know, issue... Uh, nine, I think, or ten, whatever it was. It was the real first appearance because there was already a cameo, but apparently now that's being pushed back and saying that's the second cameo. You're not allowed to have three cameos. So this has got to be the real first appearance. And it's already, like I said, gaining momentum on the old Ebays. We've got Excalibur number five. This is an X book that... As much as I'd like the first three issues that I read, I feel like it's not really a storyline that I feel... I'm particularly tied to, and I kind of get the gist of it throughout the tellings of the other four or so X titles that I read. You know, you get a good idea of what's going on in there, just kind of side shot in the way they do it. It's brilliant. The way this new X universe is being maintained, Hickman overseeing it all is absolutely brilliant. Um, you got to, you know, suspect for sure that. He has a lot to do with those those notes telling, you know, fucking Howard, hey, you know, relate back to this and relate back to that so people kind of know, I, I get an idea of what's going on with Psylocke and not Psylocke now and Betsy Braddock and Captain Britain and blah, blah, blah. You, know, you, you get the point. But, unfortunately, Excalibur is one of the, the books through Don of X that I, I don't really have time for. Just, yeah. 
Uh, New Mutants, number five. This is another one. This one is his Hickman. Hickman and uh, Brisson are going back and forth writing this one, sometime uh, teaming up on issues and whatnot. But I, I picked up issue number one, and it, it instantly didn't really feel like me, only because I'm not a big fan of Hickman number ones, to be honest. I think if uh, Brisson would have wrote number one, it probably would have had a better chance. And at the same time, this, and like I say almost every time this book comes up in an honorable mention, that I, I got this team, this New Mutants team, out of uh, the, Rosenberg's Uncanny Run. And Brisson had a part in the first ten issues of that weekly launch of Uncanny. So, you know, there, there you go. Uh, just I'm going to keep collecting it because I'm a completionist, and I think... For whatever reason, it's been instilled in me that all of the Donna, you know, for since Hickman, I have collected every single mutant-related book, and you know, that's I think that's kind of a cool accomplishment to to have to if I were to continue on with this a year or so down the road, if this you know this continuity keeps up, I don't know, it'd be quite the feat, or maybe it's a complete waste of fucking money. Just kidding, that is not the case at all. Uh, collect what you love. Don't you don't have to. Yeah, <laughs> I may be setting a bad example to be honest. Uh, An indie honorable mention. We have the clock. The clock number one. This is a book I I went and excited for, uh, blindly, uh, admittedly, just because I I I like the idea of clocks. As simple-minded as that sounds, and uh, the description suits well for why this book becomes an honorable mention, and by no means is the clock simple. I'm saying I'm too simple to understand what's going on with this book. It's a lot to, it's a lot to intake. Uh, I, I admittedly, you know, it might be a little too fantastical for me. You know, I'm not huge on fantasy, uh, but at the same time, it, I felt like it, it's just really smart, and the, the, the few reviews I've seen out there, of the people that have read this book, have had stellar things to say. They're smarter than me, that's for sure. Um, and yeah, don't think that if yeah, I don't know. I this is unfortunately I'm not going to be continuing on with this just for that reason. But I'm happy to have the first issue in the series for sure. There's a lot of really smart TV series out there that I don't get. That you know, like Westworld and. Uh, a lot of other stuff, most stuff, <laughs> that, uh, yeah, I don't know, I could see this going someplace for sure, uh, The Butcher of Paris, from Dark Horse Comics, this is number two, this is a four-parter, this is based on a true story, but I have a, uh, a buddy, and, uh, a listener as well, whom I'm hoping you as listeners get to, audibly meet via this podcast kind of backhandedly throwing out an invite to this person he knows who he is i'm not going to say him by name on the podcast but uh or just for privacy's sake until i get the 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 surefire yes but the fact uh, the, the the reason beyond all of this babbling is the because this is based off a true story i was informed that this is there's been some uh, uh liberties taken and, you know, that's that's cool. But this is a crazy, well-known story in the uh, crime community, and this person is an expert on crime, for sure. Uh, definitely 
as far as anybody that I've ever met or been within probably a hundred thousand feet of, he is the most knowledgeable. So I would hope to think that I could do a uh, a co-hosted trade negotiation with this person, or maybe even a comic book therapy trade negotiation hybrid episode of some sort. But I have every intention of binge reading this and getting a full-on discussion around this book because I, I I'm I'm hearing great things. I'm a, I'm a big fan of this. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Her sounds dope. Sounds dope. Scary and sad at the same time, but as all horror should be. And that does it for honorable mentions. Those are those are the re- books that I picked up. Uh, but you know, at the same time, those aren't all the books I picked up. That leads me into the final segment of this here podcast, and that is the wall books. Now, the wall books, this is the last chunk of the stack here. This is the stuff that I pick up for uh, for cover art's sake. You know, I, a lot of these books get hung up on the wall. Some of these books, you know, yeah, I would actually say 95.37% of the wall books that are discussed on this podcast get to see some wall time. Some of them permanently. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Yeah, man. This is, uh, let's, let's, let's get on with it. The first one was accidentally a wall book. And I say that because I didn't subscribe to this book knowledge, or knowingly, but apparently, according to my, uh, my Polis receipt, that I, I am now subscribed to the Turtles ongoing both A and B covers. And this is a Kevin Eastman cover, and it's, it's, I'm not mad at having this. I could have switched it out for another cover, but you know what? I think it's pretty neat. And it's also a first appearance in there, too, with Mona Lisa, so that, that, that's good for something. It doesn't hurt to have multiple copies of a first appearance. Uh, we have Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy, number five. This is a Joshua Milton variant. It's a connecting variant, but obviously I got the Poison Ivy side because that's how I roll. If y'all don't know me on this podcast, uh, just know this now. I love me some Poison Ivy art. We have a uh, Ramos cover for a Turtles Power Rangers variant. And it ain't one of the Helmet Turtle crossover covers. This is a beautiful Virgin cover. uh, Both the Rangers and the Turtles drawn in the most badass of fashions, and oh, I can't wait to get this on the wall. This podcast needs to hurry up and get done so I can put it on the wall. The last wall book of the week goes to Francesco Mattina and Batman number 86. Uh, Francesco Mattina continues to fucking blow it out of the water in 2020. This dude continues to be my favorite cover artist. I There's not a, uh, a cover he does that hits the shelf that I do not purchase. And this has been the case for, I would say, about 17 months straight now. I have not missed one. And I even go off and get some of the incentive variant exclusive covers, too, off the old internets. That's how much I like this dude. Um, this one is involving a, a, a death stroke fucking up some sort of bad vehicle. Is it the night crawl or uh, what is it? Oh, fucking bat crawler? Shit, I forgot the name of it. That new vehicle that we talked about earlier in the podcast? Whatever it is, it's getting all fucked up. Batman's in the driver's seat. It's it's a dope-ass cover. It's going to go right up on the wall of Matina, which is the biggest segment of wall I have on the hallway that leads to Cerebro. 
So there you have it, them be the wall books. That wraps up the discussions. It's not really a discussion when it's just me, is it? Yeah. Well, let's. I want to give my. Uh, I guess that's not necessarily the the last segment, but I want to give my my top acknowledgments for this here, this here week of you know the eighth of uh you know January. <laughs> Sorry, it's late. I'm delusional. I'm trying to actually program myself on a uh, graveyard schedule temporarily here to you know for whatever reasons, but. Uh, don't don't mind the, the 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 stumbling and bumbling delusional. It's actually not alcohol. I'm not drinking booze on this here podcast. I'm raising my energy drink. That's probably where a lot of the stumbling is too. Anyway, I want to give my top acknowledgments. There's three different categories I like to give shoutouts to. Uh, when it comes to comic books, there's there's yeah. Um, we've got your covers. The covers. It's your shelf appeal. Shelf appeal. The sex appeal, you know, sometimes you don't say judge a book by its cover, but I, I can honestly say that I have no problem with saying it's okay to judge a comic book by its cover at times. Uh, a lot of times there's books that I would not pick up, but a cover just draws me in. And you got to give shout outs to that because he's, uh, <laughs> it's a big part of the, the comic book marketing scheme. Well, it's not a scheme, a uh, way of life. That being said, Francesco Mattina and his Batman 86, fucking awesome. James Tinian IV, I'm glad you still have Mattina on board with these covers. I can't wait to see where you lead him in the future as far as the character arcs and all of that shit. And I hope it trans... Oh, God, I'm so fucking excited. And this cover. This cover's beautiful. Um, yeah, but it wasn't... There was also some amazing covers, I, I do have to say. The Turtles... Rangers covers fucking amazing too, but yeah, uh, that's that's I guess that's an honorable mention. Uh, the next category I like to give acknowledgments to are the interiors, as we all know. At least I would imagine you would know. Uh, comic books, fifty percent visual, and having good art really drives a story home. And I gotta say the 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 art that was in the uh, Power Rangers Turtles crossover was fucking awesome, man. I mean, we all know that Simone DeMeo could draw the Rangers, but in the way that he draws the Turtles as well, and then the Shredder-Green Ranger crossover, it's so badass. Rita, ugh, fuck, it's, this is, this is just a great story. It was, it was almost difficult not to pick it for the overall of the week, and that kind of leads me into my, uh, my, the, the third category I like to give acknowledgments to, and that's the overall story. The the, uh, the fucking... Uh, the, the thing that really kind of keeps you in to the whole thing. That keeps you wanting more in the next issue. And that has to go to X-Force this week. X-Force number five. Just did a great fucking job. Uh, on all levels, actually. Whether it's interiors and the story. Uh, all of it was top fucking notch. Top notch for sure. Just, just the way that they drew... Uh, uh, Wolverine getting blasted in the fucking face, and then Forge and his badass new weaponry. Uh, there's, uh, there's, oh, it's so fucking good. It is. So that's my most recommended book of the week, all three of those, on all three levels. So there you have it. Those be the discussions. I, uh, I'd, I, I would like to, uh, 
give a, another acknowledgement to the, the Cheers to Comics Facebook group. It's just cheers to comics.com slash group slash, I'm sorry, facebook.com slash group slash cheers to comics is what I mean to say. And, uh, yeah, get a part, be a part of the discussion. This is a lot of fun. We're growing very, very, very quickly. It's awesome. So awesome. Uh, and, uh, let's see what else here. Support this podcast on Patreon, you know, shameless plugs. Uh, you're, you're as little as a dollar goes a long way with this show. I promise it really, really does. I'm looking at hiring some video editors and taking this to another level. There's big things getting ready to come and I, I want, I want to be able to, to afford the things that come with the exposure that I'm fixing to, <laughs> yeah, good stuff I'm not allowed to talk about. But yes, Patreon, be, get on it early, guys. Patreon.com slash cheers to comics. All different tiers to choose from. Boom. Uh, also, leave your reviews. Apple iTunes reviews are kick-ass, five stars. A little bit of a blurb. goes a long, long way for this show. It helps with the iTunes algorithms and the discoverability of this show. And Yeah, it's self-explanatory from there. But please, please jump on that. I almost beg you. Almost beg you. Uh, that, that would... Mm, yes. And, uh, yeah, that, that does it. Um, I would also like to say, you know, as always, shout-outs to nsclivetv.com. Go to channel 91 now, and you will also find the Cheers to Comics Facebook group on there as well. So, uh, Cheers to Comics continues to be a big part of NSCLiveTV.com, for sure, as far as being the voice of NSCLiveTV.com. And, uh, uh, yeah, man, I'm... Whew, it's such an awesome channel. Just the way it's <laughs> it's grown so rapidly has been absolutely incredible. So, yes... Go there, support. It is the best in auction action. There's no doubt about that. And uh, yeah, that uh, that's that's gonna do it. That's gonna do it. Shout out to the One Four Three Podcast Network as always. Uh, I guess final thoughts of the week. Final thoughts of the week. Just support your your local comic book store as always. Let's keep this wonderful world of uh storytelling on its feet so you slurds read responsibly cheers up buckers